Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. I've been having a clear out. I think Lent is a good sort of time to decide what things in your life you want to give up. So I've been going through our stuff, finding things to give away and throw out. I feel like I need to do this because I'm spending so much more time stuck at home. I've got to create some space for myself and my many feelings. And as I've been doing this, I've been coming across things that I haven't used in more than a year. I look at something and think, do I need this? Will I ever get to use this again? What do I do with my sparkly dancing shoes? How many churches had palm crosses and palm branches ready to go this time last year and never got to use them? As we um, mark a year since COVID had had an effect on our daily lives, on Tuesday there was a day of national reflection. It was a really good initiative to help people acknowledge the loss of life and share that loss together. But reflection did not really feel like enough for me. I have had way more time to reflect than I have ever wanted. What I did want was to lament and grieve. And that's why it was so wonderful that so many churches rang their bells for the National Day of Reflection. It was like they were giving us a megaphone to our mouths to say, we're not okay, this isn't okay, this wasn't okay. But what I really want is to lament collectively. Back when things were normal, we took turns carrying each other's burdens. But when we're all struggling, what I really want is to sing in church with hundreds of people. I want to retroactively sing the songs that I didn't get to sing at funerals. I want us to bring our burdens together before God and pour out our hearts and have his spirit minister to us as we take communion together. But I will have to wait a bit longer for that. Caroline has asked me to talk about waiting. We've talked about repenting and weeping and sitting and hoping, and now we come to waiting. I find myself getting more agitated as the time goes on, as we pass that year milestone. And this is partly because it feels like we're in the same place we were last year, although we know that's not true. But it's mainly because all the time it was fewer than 12 months, I could kid myself that this experience hasn't changed me as a person. I could think of it as a blip, a phase. But a whole year is not easily forgotten or glossed over. Thankfully, the Book of Lamentations is like someone slipping a note in your Bible between Jeremiah and Ezekiel to say, you do not have to forget it or gloss over it. You do not have to suffer in silence. Mourning and questioning are allowed 
in the life of faith. And they're not just a concession for weak people, they are actively encouraged. Now you might have heard people say over the last year, just be thankful, loads of people have it worse than you. And I am here on the church's behalf to say, good news, that isn't biblical. Yes, we are called to be disciplined and persevering and thankful. But you are allowed to lament, even if you are not the worst afflicted, even if you are not innocent, and even if you are not doing your best. And I love Lamentations 5 specifically, because it's where the poet stops trying to do their best. The poetic structure, the acrostic that we've had up to now, falls apart. It loses composure, and it's no longer neatly packaged grief. It just comes pouring out. When you listen to the Hebrew, you can hear all these repeated sounds of sadness, another thing and another thing. This happened to us and this happened to us. And it's comprehensive. It gives all different kinds of people voice to how they have been hurt. It doesn't pretend that we all have to suffer the same amount and in the same way for it to be worthy to bring to God. It shows us all kinds of affliction, the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical siege that we have been through. If you were to write your own lamentation in the style of this poem, what would you say? I gave it a go myself, trying to find the words and the themes that the lamenter has used. And this is what I came up with. We cannot afford to live in our houses. We have been bereaved of beloved parents and children. We have lost jobs and businesses. We sleep badly and we wake up stressed. We feel uncertain about our nation's future and our leaders. The racism of our country and our churches is intolerable to us. We are afraid to go to the shops because of the threat of the virus. Some of us suffer long COVID and post-viral depression. We are worried for the development of our children. Women are abused in their homes and attacked in the streets. Young men's mental health is in crisis and boys have to grow up too quickly. Our people cannot do the things that brought them life. Dancing and singing and live music. Creative industries have turned to ash. Our images of ourselves as self-sufficient and successful have been broken and the places we love are unrecognisable to us. Maybe you want to try something similar reading lamentation and writing your own lamentation. You could pray it to God or you could read it to a friend. The poem doesn't conclude with a happy ending after all this outpouring. It's a cliffhanger. It leaves us waiting in the gap between how things are and how they should be. 
it leaves us to wait. But if you are waiting, it means that you have not given up. You know that this isn't how the world should be. And that bit of you that knows this isn't how the world should be is given to you by God. It's telling you that you still have faith. If you don't think the bus is coming, you don't stand waiting at the bus stop. When we pray every day, your kingdom come, it means there is still some faith in us that the kingdom is coming. The book of Lamentations itself does not give us a happy ending or a solution. But what it does give us is a way to pray to God in a total crisis. A way to stop giving God the silent treatment when we are in pain. And what I love about chapter 5 specifically is that after we have laid out our sorrows, these last few verses are like, well, well God, are you who you say you are? Why do you forget us? What are you going to do about this? It's a bit like a relationship ultimatum. You said you loved us, so what are you going to do? It's your move. You have to make this right because of what you've said about yourself. Was that you or not? It's a huge gambit. And it's almost a silly one to play to God Almighty. And yet it's one I've played several times at significant moments of my life. There's been many times where I've sat in front of God and said, where have you been? If you had been here, this would not have happened. When are you going to help me? There are no special prizes in Christianity for being stoic. The reward is the intimacy that grows when we say these things to God. When I look back at myself making those objections to God, I feel a bit embarrassed, but I don't feel regret. Those were key moments where my relationship with God grew. Lamentation is not accusing, it's not spiralling, and it's not stonewalling. It is a wise practice that brings life to us and is noticed and heard by our God. But God does not answer in the book itself. And I think that's good because it helps us remember that some things we will be waiting for until glory. Some of the people whose healing I have prayed for, I will not see healed until the resurrection. Some of the injustices I pray about will not be put right until Jesus comes to reign permanently. But something we do not have to wait for indefinitely is God himself. He never promised us an easy or a comfortable life, but he does promise us himself. The cry of the lamenter rings out through the story of the Bible. These questions, where are you? When will you make it right? Have you forgotten us? Are responded to. 
when God arrives at the gates of Jerusalem on a donkey. So many have come to invade this city, to besiege it or destroy it. But Jesus comes in peace and humility to save it. A friend of mine thinks that the reason people had palm leaves to hand to wave is because they were left over from celebrating Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. This was when the people celebrated that even in the desert, God had protected and sustained them, that God does not leave us even in wilderness or exile. And the Palm Sunday narrative gives us a clue about how to wait for Jesus. The crowd have got their palm branches at the ready. They go out to meet him. Imagine if they had given up and thrown them away. My prayer for us this morning is that in the difficulty and the waiting and the lamenting, our intimacy with God would grow. And that when we, he comes, we would have our dancing shoes ready and our palm leaves in hand and go out to meet him. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.